Hello, everyone. Welcome to Urbonus Podcast. I'm the host, Donatos Urbonus. I'm joined by my colleague, Ritis Vishnauskas. Ritis, hi. And how do you feel being in a place where we will hear some greatest quotes of Luka Doncic, Yanis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic? Because actually we're here in Berlin in the press conference room where all the remaining press conferences will be held. So it's a special position, yeah, my friend. It is. I feel very privileged to be here and uh, very happy to have another podcast with you because um, I was talking with various people from other countries, I mean, media people. Uh, most of them said, like, when's the next podcast? I loved your episodes. Uh, do more often during the Eurobasket. Oh, so I was really happy to get that positive feedback. And yeah, we were in Berlin in the press conference room. Uh, at one point, it seemed like a car crash. I mean, our Eurobasket, because if okay. Lithuania hadn't qualified for, for this uh, knockout stage probably most of our Lithuanian uh, colleagues would be at home right now already okay. just just the two of us okay. would be so you, you would have stayed there <laughs> yes ah, the so plan was good. always to go and up until the final day but uh, we never planned Lithuania to crash after after the group stages mm. so happily ever after is is, is my uh, resume for for mm. the group stage before we start uh, let's introduce uh, our partners courtside 1891 uh the platform to watch FIBA games and especially when it's a playoff time so if, if you're not here yet it's the best time to jump in uh, on board and we have a great offer for you uh, basket 25 will allow you uh, our followers to receive 25 percent off a max annual pass or a max Eurobasket event pass so the code will expire until the end of the competition so there's still plenty of time to use the promo code basket 25 for the courtside 1891 uh, platform and yeah um, there will be some talk picks we'll discuss in this podcast including the most intriguing intriguing playoff matchups Luka Doncic 47 points uh, nights and our most impressive uh, lineups uh, of the group stage uh, but I just wanted to put it in the beginning because I just came from the Turkish national team uh, media availability I would call uh, and you know it just brought back it brought me back with good memories how good it is to have Ergen Ataman speaking on camera and he complained a lot we spoke for 10 minutes it was the usual media session but it was never like that he spoke like for five minutes with Turkish media and then uh, with international media of course he complained so I decided to make this uh, kind of you know uh, list of complaints uh, yeah to get us through the list of complaints yeah. Ataman made in the last week, basically, I didn't even include all the complaints, but at least the major complaints. So let's begin with Ataman complaints. Playing time against France, they will start at 12 o'clock local time. Yeah. What do you think? I think this is shame. This is big disrespect to our nation, the greatest nation in the world, Turkish people in Berlin. They want to support the national team and they give us this ridiculous time slot so that they wouldn't be the full gym with Turkish flags supporting the team. It's shame on FIBA, but the Turkish people will be there anyway. No one can stop them and they will support the team with passion and heart. Coach, but I think that the biggest problem is not the playing time. I think, you know, the game will be on Saturday. So maybe a lot of Turkish people won't work on Saturday, on, on weekends. So I think that still from three or four million people, from Turkish people in, here in Berlin, they will have nice uh, support from friends. But at the same time, I think it's disrespectful 
time for such yes. two great teams why like do you France put such a great game big, with such big, good big atmosphere team, Turkish, yeah. in the time slot of 12 o'clock you can choose other games that are not that interesting Slovenia will win against Belgium 40 points I guarantee 40 points why do they play on better time than we do with France shame 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 and especially when as a coach as you just said in the mix zone that you will have to arrive to arena at 10 30 so it's in, in, I mean it completely changed the usual routine I don't know maybe it's kind of you know they're used to it in Spain when on the weekends they start games early sometimes in France I wake up at 11 you want me to play a game at 12 I agree okay so uh, another uh, complaint Ataman complains that there are still no decisions regarding this locker room fight uh, and he said that you said that you, everybody forgot it I mean it happened like a few days already we still don't have any decisions and as coach you left that you know uh, there was footage and in locker rooms and yes. video cameras everything but still we don't have any footage officially no decisions yet and for example if there was a scenario where Georgia advanced to the next stage we see all these players who possibly were in the fight still playing and not punished. So I, I, I agree with you, coach. I think it's it's unfair. We it's a disgrace what they exactly. did to Furkan. Why are they afraid to admit? It's a disgrace. We will not tolerate this. What? Uh, the ever 22-second uh, situation. FIBA uh, rejected uh, the protest of uh, Turkish national team. I don't remember the you know particular explanation but they just rejected it and for me it's impossible to understand how uh, we pretend that 22 seconds in the fourth quarter although it was some mistake by some technical equipment as they said that player during this brawl accidentally turned it on and the clock started ticking but at the same time why nobody noticed it and why nobody was punished? Because FIBA actually just today they announced that uh, officially these officials from Germany, Lithuania game, including a table official, official, they're out for the uh, end of the Eurobasket. But I think it's the same, you know, this this mistake was huge because we are talking about the fourth quarter and the middle of the fourth quarter. So we cannot just uh, pretend that nothing happened here. Unprofessional, disrespectful, in 22 seconds, Furkan, Chedi and Shane can score 12 points and we win game exactly and also coach you got ejected uh, in the overtime and Jedi Osman because he was you reacted to Jedi Osman's unsportsmanlike foul but again although I like to uh, have a discussion and argument with uh, you coach but again I feel that you know it should be like in football uh, where you make a decision also based on uh, reading the situation and technically speaking maybe there was unsportsmanlike foul uh, for Osman but at the same time it still was intentional uh, and you, you're sure that even though you will touch the ball it's still intentional and so I'm not so sure if that you know you deserved you guys deserved unsportsmanlike foul and of course ejection terrible decision no more comments shame two more complaints one one last complaint was actually from, from this media session. Uh, in the end of the game, Spain and Turkey, Forkan Korkmaz got a technical foul. And I think it was the either the last minute of the game or the 39th minute of the game. Because uh, when Spain was doing inbound uh, play, um, Furkan Korkmaz, he was like protecting, uh, you know, the space uh, near the line. But at the same time, he went backwards and he stepped out of, out of bounds. And... I 
and coach, you already said that you don't agree in such situation in the fourth quarter when the teams, the, the game was closed, the game was tie. You don't, you know, uh, give technical foul. But I think that I saw Alberto Diaz was penetrating and basically, I mean, not basically, he really uh, got his body, Korkmaz, stepping outside in the pass area. So I think it was deserved call and I don't agree with you, coach, sorry. The last complaint. <laughs> Actually, what's funny, I didn't ask you to make all these comments in Ataman's words, but if you did it, I mean, it's it's. Well, all we're right. in the press conference room. I might as well just put up a show. But one last thing. Yeah. I never complain. Ataman, he was already complaining in Tepelisi uh, for Timbas being uh, not late. No, they told that uh, from the Ho Timo Hotel to the arena. It takes to go to arena. It takes around one hour, and you know it's 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 crazy by by Eurobasket standards, by any standards, uh, especially when you're in Tbilisi. I mean, it's it's crazy that the trip takes uh, so long. And the worst thing is that when Turkish national team arrived to Berlin, they said that they have to wait for two hours for their luggage, and uh, it appeared it appeared out that they had to cancel the practice later because they were late to come to the practice uh, to prepare for the eighth finals. So. You know, once again, I, I kind of thought that maybe the summer organization problems were also related to the fact that maybe some of the host cities, the local uh, organizing committees weren't prepared for that. But now we're, you know, we're witnessing some big organization problems here in Berlin and it takes not only teams, but for example, media as well. I heard that Media Hotel is, oh, you're staying in Media Hotel, right? Yes. And the first reactions I heard is like, hostel? There are no wardrobes. The rooms are very small. And, you know, it, especially for TV guys, I mean, it shouldn't be, you know, they should have stayed somewhere else. Well, is it that bad? There are pros and cons. Like, uh. I love the fact that in this hotel, on our television, we have Chromecast, so I can watch all the games mm. from my tablet, streaming directly to the TV. Okay. That's the positive thing yeah the negative things are those that you've mentioned like we don't have a wardrobe we basically don't have anything apart from a shower and, and two beds and and a tv so it's not the best conditions however it's really close to the arena mm. and since my favorite burger in the world is from five guys five mm. guys is so close so that kind of compensates all these there you are on the things. line for the breakfast or you just went to five guys i'm actually gonna go there after our podcast so just hurry up a little bit okay so <laughs> the last uh, media availability for coach Atman, the last media request hypothetical hypothetical situation shane larkin is officially out of eurobasket group stage was difficult for for you guys uh, in turkey you're facing france they're not they're not terrible but they're not great um, and, um, you know, their Turkish uh, representatives al already uh, threatened uh, to FIBA that they will leave the Eurobasket because of what happened uh, in the game against Georgia, but this fight in the locker rooms, there are still no decisions. Coach Ataman kind of feels that there are chances to, you know, go through France and to advance to quarterfinals yeah. are not really good. So Very maybe thin. let's use this situation and just let's, leave the Eurobasket in a scandalous way, you know, just, just <laughs> shut down the doors very loudly. So, coach, this is the official uh, press conference. Yes. We're in the um, 
exceptional press conference and we have Turkish national team leaving the competition for scandalous uh, reasons. What would be uh, your word, your statement? With shine, with the incredible support of Turkish people in Berlin, on normal time schedule, we would beat France. Now, it's obvious. Of no course, shine. Twelve o'clock game. Unacceptable situation. Probably France will win. You know me. I always predict the game, the outcome correct. I said I win Euroleague two times in a row. Did I win Euroleague two times in a row? Yes, yes I did. Yes, yes, you could. But now, there's no chance to beat France under these conditions. Again, shame. Thank you, coach. The last thing to say about Ataman. I mean, I think that FIBA, you know, for FIBA it was uh, good to have best coaches, best players available. And Ataman always brings attention. And they were thinking yeah. like, oh, we're going to have a lot of Turkish fans. Uh, we will have Larkin, all these NBA players uh, on Turkish national team. And we will have Ataman. He will give, give us quotes, big quotes. And I think that it was the ideal plan of, I think that he's like throwing horse sent by Yurli. And Yurli knew who Ataman is and they kind of paid him or said something. Just go there and criticize everything. So every, in every media oh, availability, he's saying all these big words. And, you know, I yeah. just think that you it's know, a big pain in the ass for FIBA. During this whole Eurobasket so far, I've heard a lot of crazy conspiracy theories. Yours is probably the best so far. Like... Ergin Ataman is there to destroy FIBA from the inside and he sent like a secret spy from yeah. the EuroLeague. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense now when you're saying it loudly. Yeah. And then I think So you think like Jordi Bertomeu is paying him? For sure. I think it all started <laughs> from the friendly game against Greece when he was ejected because I don't know yeah. if you uh, if you saw it but EuroLeague head coaches association made some tweet like uh let us coach no ejection something like that, you know. So I think it, it's a clear proof that EuroLeague is involved in this. So it's a, just a conspiracy theory, but I would dig into that story. Enough of uh, Turkish basketball and uh, Ataman things, let's yeah. say. Uh, I mean, Turkey still plays France and... Yeah, and we will uh, probably discuss it, it in the... Yeah, we're going to go through all, all, all our predictions, yes, so we'll let's, touch that topic yeah, let's, later let's, on. Let's wrap up uh, the group stage. Uh, and of course, on the last day of the group stage, we had this historical night. Luka Doncic is scoring 47 points. And it was like a New Year celebration countdown. Like, just not counting not from 10 to 0 backwards, but just counting every point that Luka was scoring. And I remember, you know, everybody was just checked... Uh, what was the single game scoring record and damn it was this Belgium guy I actually forgot because forgot I, I didn't 63 points yeah I didn't know nothing about him it was in 1957 against yeah, Albania, Albania. Yeah. probably there's no video footage of that yeah but the ever the following records were beatable and especially when I saw Luca making this off balance one legged three-pointer over Rudy Gobert over Rudy Gobert I thought that this might be interesting night but that's not his record for the national team in the Olympics against Argentina did he score like 50 51 
Could be. You can fact check while I'm yeah, yeah, while I'm talking sure. about. I remember he was yeah, scoring so you, high. You but can just fact check while while I'm talking about Luca's greatness. And you know the thing is that after the forty eight, forty eight, forty eight. So, yeah, so, oh, that's pr- one okay. point more. Yeah. Not his personal no, record, not, but that was in the, the, in, in the Olympics, the in the Luka. Eurobasket. That's that's the record. Yeah. You know the funny thing is that after the first three games, um, he kind of struggled scoring. He was involving his teammates all the time. He was dishing all these assists, but uh, scoring, you could say, maybe was an issue. They lost to Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, his uh, shooting from three-point range wasn't that great. He was 0 from 8 against Lithuania, 1 from 8 against uh, Bosnia. And people were talking like, he has that wrist injury. Mm-hmm. That's probably annoying. That's probably why he's not as aggressive attacking the rim. And then the game against Germany. 36 points. Then the game against France, he takes it to a whole different level, 47 points. And let's just put things in the context. Uh, In the first half, it seemed like he's going to play the whole 40 minutes. Also, Goran Dragic was playing without any substitutions. And then he was hit in the head by Vincent Poirier's elbow. It was a lot of blood. People probably thought that he went to hospital because... uh, I was sure he was out. Of 11 the players went from the locker room to yeah. do the warm-up, shoot around before the third quarter, and Luca was not there. Head coach was coming back, and Luca still not there. He was the last person to enter the floor, and everything seemed fine. He just carried on playing in the second half. He looked m- more angry in the second half. Mm-hmm. You didn't see him smiling as much. But, you know, in that game against France, uh, I, I just thought how I admire him not only as a basketball talent but how i admire his mentality he doesn't want to just beat the opponent he wants to humiliate the exactly. opponent Destroy like you. he gets the switch on Winston Poiré. He, he makes one quick move with the ball and he sees like Poiré is already out of balance and that's when he knows this dude i'm gonna kill him he scores mom bucket Another bucket. Then he scores a free. And I'm thinking, how long is Vincent Collet going to suffer this switch all mm. defense with Poiré? Because Luca just dribbles the ball and puts the finger, uh, uh, points the finger to Poiré and says, bring him to me. And he does that for three possessions in a row. And then in the fourth possession, he wants to do that again. But obviously, France, they are changing the defense and he's doing the step out and he's going to help and recover. But... For God's sakes, he's not gonna gonna guard Luca anymore in ISO. But then another moment stuck to my mind. You know, Luca on defense is saving energy, right? He's not really guarding anybody. He's just standing in a. And they usually try to hide him in a position against the least yeah. uh, dangerous player on the he's, court. He helps from the strong side, from the weak side, but he's just standing there in a the corner guarding the. Uh, the least dangerous player from from the other yeah. team. In this case, it was Luvavu Cabarro. He's not shooting well in this tournament. Actually, I, I think he's cold. He's, he's so struggling cold. a lot. Yeah. So in the first quarter, Luca is going to help um, because France was playing pick and roll with Rudy Gobert. So Luca is helping, and he leaves Luvavu Cabarro wide open in the corner, and Gobert passes the ball to to his teammate. And Luca looks through his shoulder and he sees that it's Luvavu Cabarro wide open. So he just continues to stand there. He's just showing his back to Luvavu Cabarro and, and just laughing. 
he was wide open. He missed the shot. Luca got the rebound, and then he's looking to Luka Baros' face and laughing, <laughs> laughing straight to his face. It's so disrespectful, but at the same time, so entertaining. <laughs> now this kid is so bad if you're playing against him because you know even all these bench players. Every time Luca scores and makes a big shot, usually he turns to the bench or to the coach and do semantics like putting yeah. his uh, uh, tongue out just flexing showing that yeah he's always flexing you staring you down he's really trying to humiliate his opponents yeah, and, and I, I just love when Edo Muric hits a shot and Luca does the <laughs> cooking sign <laughs> by the way a big sh- uh, shout out to Edo Muric uh, Vlatko Chancer and Giga Dimets. Yeah, they were with Mike Toby. You don't need any center. I mean, this team doesn't need any center. They can still match Rudy Gobert, Vincent Poirier, Mustafa Fall. I mean, one of the best uh, front lines uh, in, in the competition. Of course, if there was Gershon Yabiseli, the conversation might have been different. But I mean, huge effort by these guys. Uh, Muric was also in some situations defending against Gobert. He made some clutch three-pointers at the second yeah. half. So I, I, what I loved about the game and also, of course, about, the, uh, about Luka was that it felt like this team got even more united. But I think that they need some adversities. Uh, before it was the game against Bos- Bosnia, Okay, Bosnians were great, but Slovenians were not the same. And the same happened against Germany. So Luka made some emotional speech in the end of the game that this is not the way we're going to make the finals. And it, it felt like, you know, they turned on and then they're playing without Mike Toby. It, it, in the beginning of the game against France, it felt like they won't have a lot of By chances. the way, how is Mike Toby? I think That's the like, ankle injury when I he think, landed on the referee? Yeah. I mean, he, he, he landed on the referee, he hurt yeah. his ankle, but he played against Germany. And then. Because he said that, you know, it, it hurt him a lot, but it was kind of hot. So the pain was not as, as big, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. as expected. Yeah. But later, as he said, you know, later on, I will pe- feel more pain. So probably Slovenian saved him. I don't know. We will have to uh, ask this uh, Slovenian national team how he is right now. But as we have this famous quote, uh, of Adam Hanga, when he, we asked him about his uh, injuries, he, he said day-to-day, like an NBA. So I think it's the same with uh, Mr. Mike, Mike uh, Toby. Well, they're facing Belgium. You could bet on them winning against Belgium without Mike Toby. They can rest him. Actually, beating France was very important for two reasons. The first one is obvious, uh, to take the first seed, which basically gives them the red carpet to the semifinal, mm. in my opinion. And the second reason is revenge yeah. for Tokyo. I think it also played part in, in, in did, did you see how they were celebrating after the game? Oh, it looked like they already won a medal. Yeah. The fans were going crazy. The team was just dancing. A lot of things were in the mix. Lucas show, playing and winning without Toby and getting this revenge uh, from the last year's uh, Olympics. While one camp was busy celebrating, the other camp was busy chasing the referees <laughs> I've never seen Evan Fournier, who is a very cool guy, mm. just being so angry at somebody. And Vincent, Vincent Collet just grabbing <laughs> referee almost. Oh Vincent Collet is probably one of the nicest coaches, That's the most, most polite and respectable yeah. coaches in, in Europe. Mm. You never heard him talking about some yeah. conspiracies you never heard him talking about refs after the game yeah he was mad he was he's always respectful towards his mm. colleagues he's always respectful towards media towards the players the players love him he's coaching france for how long like 12 years yeah since t- t- 2009 and i think yeah if Vincent collet is angry mm. 
you can something is probably behind. smell that something's going wrong. But the thing is that I watched the replay very closely. These two situations he pointed out about Slovenian stealing the ball. At first, it was a crucial steal by Goran Dragic, I think. Yeah. It was like less than two minutes to play. The game was tied. He stole the ball and he scored the basket. To be honest, I watched a lot of replays in slow-mo. Yeah. Both of these steals, okay, the second one against Fourier, maybe it was 50-50, but Slovenians were already up by four, uh, four, and it was like 30 seconds left. But this steal by Dragic, I think it was clean steal, and mm. I don't have any complaints. But before, there were some important mistakes. Uh, I think that when Kole got a technical foul, it was when Goran Dragic traveled, and he really traveled. But mm. instead, Dragic scored two points, yeah. technical foul for Kole, three points. This situation where Okobo was chasing down, I think it was Zoran Dragic, and it was fast break layup, I think that Okobo managed to block the shot before uh, he hit the backboard, so I think that is wrong goaltending violation. There were some situations where Luca was making fouls uh, against French uh, players inside the paint, but mm, referees, we didn't hear any calls. So I understand why Kole was angry, but probably emotions played the most part in the end of the game maybe it was also the combination of mm. some previous calls i don't know but anyway well last thing i want to say about this great game of basketball slovenia france two elite teams two teams that want to win the crown now for france it's going to be more difficult obviously since they didn't win the group and Maybe they go through Turkey, but the quarterfinal will be very hard. Uh, but the last thing was that Lucas scored 47 points with 65% shooting and 92% free throw shooting. These numbers are crazy. You can score 40 or more points, but you will never have 65% shooting, 54.5% mm. from free point line, and free throws were kind of bothering him yeah. in, in other games. And in the NBA, he's also not known f for being a consistent free throw shooter. In this game, he was just making every single shot. I, I remember just before this game, um, I think he had a... Yeah, he had a good night against Germany, 46 points, mm. but he was terrible from the three-point line. Yes. And I think that uh, there was a moment, there was a stretch that uh, in, in three or four last uh, games, he, he he was shooting threes like one of eight against Lithuania, of from eight against Bosnia, and okay, two of eight against Germany. But yeah. still, it's like three of 22. The percentage was terrible. And I was about to ask Sakulic, you know, coach, if the game was on the line and you, you see Luka struggling beyond the arc, he has some wrist problems, do you prefer him penetrating or, you know, or you're still okay with that three-point shot? The next game comes... Also, before that game against Germany, I asked Luca, do you think, you know, uh, who is the favorite to, to, to make the Eurobasket scoring single game scoring record? Oh, Yanis, Yanis. After 24 hours, we see Luca Doncic going 6 of 11 the, from the three-point line and scoring 47 points. Yesterday, it looked like Yanis is going for the record against Estonia. That's the question I have. Do you see anybody surpassing this uh, number? Not in a knockout stage, no. Only Luca himself. Mm. I I could I could see him scoring fifty in a semifinal or in a final. I mean, Yanis, yes, he can crush any defense, but probably group stage games are those where you expect to see some records in the knockout stage, especially from the quarterfinal stage. It will be so hard 
to imagine like somebody scoring 50. I agree that only Luca probably can surpass it. Of course, when Yanis went for 25 uh, at the half, I thought that, okay, it's going to be interesting. But, you know, if you want to score 50 points, you have to make three-pointers. Neither Yanis can make like six three-pointers. I mean, he or, can, but that Nikola would surprise. Would be exactly, very that would be a miracle. Very for unlikely. Luka, it's like very expectable. The thing is that Yanis is probably not bothered by any records. He just wants to win yeah. with Greece. And, and the Greece he, is protecting him a lot. Yeah, you know, they're, they're not wasting him. his energy or health. He has some. I was surprised that he actually played yesterday against mm. Estonia. He sat out the Great Britain game uh, because of some agreement with the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. And they were they, they had a first seed clinched already. But maybe he just wanted to be in the rhythm and just play for two quarters against Estonia. But for some Estonian players, that should have been an experience of a lifetime. You're facing maybe the greatest player in the world right now. Mm. And then you're going to go back to playing for Kalev Tallinn or, or some other club. So mm. that's impressive. One last thing about uh, Lucas Knight. Uh, I interviewed his uh, his dad, uh, famous Sasha uh, Doncic. And the first the funny thing was that after the game, he wanted to smoke so badly that we actually went to some area inside the arena. But he was smoking Icos, you know, so no smoking, uh, no alarm detectors were activated. Yeah. And uh, the first thing he asked uh, Luca, because Luca was just going through the mix zone, and, you know, Sasha Doncic is doing TV stuff for Lithuania, uh, Slovenian TV as an analyst. And they just spoke for like 10 seconds or something. And I, I was just asking him, you know, so what's the first thing you talk about after 47.9 when you're making the second best uh, scoring performance in all your basket history? And he said that just, how's your head? And do you feel fine? Everything is all right. So he just said it. Yeah, he's he's cool. He's good to go. So that's some fav fatherhood stuff, mm -hmm. I think. Okay. Uh, okay. We finished with Ataman. Finish yeah, you leave that to me. Okay, sorry. Sorry, I'm not stealing your job. I'm not stealing your job. I cannot be as good as you. Uh, let's go to playoff matchups uh, pretty quickly because we won't analyze all the uh, eight finals matchups, yeah. but we decided to split it in like three parts. The one is the matchup where you're waiting for an upset mm. uh also the matchup that is hardest to predict or the the most tight matchup and the other just just to watch why it will be uh, interesting for you yes. to watch that matchup so let's go for the most intriguing matchup to me it's spain lithuania uh, i know that the spanish team is not as legendary as it was in the 21st century but uh Still, this is a historical matchup in, in, in Eurobasket. Also, the fact is, uh, during the summer, we faced Spain in every single youth competition we've participated, whether it was the women's or, or men's tournament. So it's interesting to see Lithuania against Spain on national team level every single time. We've played them in two friendly games. Um, I think Lithuania on paper right now is stronger than Spain. We're the fourth seed, they are the first seed, but that's the thing. As a fourth seed, we're probably the favorites of the game because of how tough the Group B was. So, But Lorenzo Brown and Villarreal Gomez playing pick and roll could be a problem. Exactly. So I, I, I'm not underestimating this this team. I, I'm just afraid. Sergio Scariolo is a smart coach. I don't think in those friendly games we've played, he showed a lot. 
And there are a few things. I mean, probably you remember what Scariola was doing in the Olympics last year, how he tried to stop Luka Doncic. Boxing one. A lot of interesting tactical decisions in that game. And, you know, once again, this competition for Spain, even winning the first uh, place, okay, in a so-so group, but still, I mean, he, he managed to adjust to the roster he has. Again, he loves to, spay, uh, to play slow-tempo basketball, uh, to put uh, opponents in more a defensive-style game, which is good for this uh, Spanish national team. And the way he managed, you know, to make these guys click, his star players and some role players that many basketball fans uh, outside the ACB League never heard of. I Dario Brissela, Jaime Fernandez. And those are not big names, but they're making names for themselves right yeah, now. Yeah, and they're playing good roles in a very well-coached team. So I just think that too many Lithuanian people are underestimating uh, this matchup. I and they think that we will win easily. I don't I think so. And it's not so good. Uh, I don't think it's good to play the same team for the third time in almost a month. And it's even harder to win three times against Spain, even though they have this talent. So I predict very, very, very hard night for well, in the end, I'm still predicting Lithuania to win, but it's going to be a tough game. Yeah. My matchup that was hardest to predict was France-Turkey before I got the news before about Chile Larkin. So, you know, I, I just thought that these both teams were kind of struggling and France just started to play a little bit better basketball, I think, starting from the game against not the Germany, but the previous one. Anyways, the last game against Slovenia... They, they played the first one against Germany. Yeah, yeah. And then Lithuania. Yeah, I think the two last games of the group, they were already a bit better. We yeah. finally saw Okobu scoring because we remember, you know, how, how important it was to replace the Kolu. So Okobu started to score. He made some buckets against uh, Slovenia. Scored 11 points. Uh, uh, yeah, so a little bit they were improving. Uh, Turkey, kind of the same. You know, maybe this uh, chaos in, in the game against Georgia helped them to get more united uh but now without Shane Larkin I just don't see that happening they they have a very uh, short uh, bench mm -hmm. they're usually playing like six or seven man rotation most of their guys they're playing 35 minutes yeah. as Ataman told that they had a tough uh, trip and yeah. I just don't see them winning I think we'll France will 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 we'll pass them that's an interesting matchup because both teams play a lot of minutes with two bigs two centers you can say Shangun but Turkish Shangun. centers they they can attack from distance and, yeah. and France just have it's like Poirier and Gobert. Not easy matchup. Yabuseli is, is, is the power forward that can shoot uh, from three point range. So, Yabuseli is still questionable and it's I think yes. it's very important. Yes. If he know, doesn't both play and defensively. If he doesn't play the Namatan Bayer who's going to be coached by Ataman yeah, next yeah. season he, he will have some minutes probably. Mm. Um, yes I agree that Without Shane Larkin, is a different picture. I'm, I'm predicting France to win, but it's I'm excited point, yeah. to, to see this game because of the crowd. Mm. I think Turkish people in Berlin will make a lot of noise. It will be one of the best atmospheres so far. So I'm looking forward to, to this game, even though it's at 12 o'clock and mm. you know that I wake up kind of late. Ooh, that's the favoritis. But yeah. I, I will, I, I'll have to work. Yeah. I, I will cover this game, so I have to wake up at least at 10 a.m. The matchup you're waiting uh, for an upset. As we discussed, uh, probably it's, like it's I, hard to expect any upset. Honestly, I would say none. But the one game where I could see it happening is Finland-Croatia. Mm, I agree. Well, first of all, Croatia wasn't really convincing in the group stage. Mario Hezonja had some terrible performances. 
they had to depend on Kronoslav Simon. We we saw him like a veteran that might play a smaller role, but all of a sudden he has better numbers than Hezonia in this game, in, in this team. So Finland with Lauri Markkanen dominating on offense and Croatia not being very good defending. I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. If Markkanen yeah. gets hot, if he scores like 35 or something like that, and Croatians don't play very good team basketball, I could see that happening. But the good thing for Croatia is that in the last two games, Bojan Bogdanovic was the best Bojan Bogdanovic so far in the tournament. Mm. He's just FIBA Bogdanovic. FIBA Bogdanovic. The last two games, he did everything. Post-ups, fadeaways, spot-up shots, penetrating, finishing with end one, missing the free throw on purpose because they needed to do that. <laughs> so Finland... I can I can see that happening, but it's it's gonna be hard. Yeah, I have the same pair of, uh, for basically the same reasons. Especially, I will be excited. Our to podcast see. is getting viewers even before being released. Yeah, that's nice. That's <laughs> nice. If you want to be the, you know, to join our audience, we should just... think about like selling tickets. Maybe, maybe if we will have more Ataman impressions, maybe that works. I, I'm glad to see Markan in life. I don't think I saw him in the previous tournaments. Either Lithuania was not there. Maybe there were some different groups. I, but I, I did see him in 2017. I'm not sure about I, that. Maybe I had some other duties. I did see him. And, and he, he was, was, and he was good in that tournament. Yeah. Although it was before his NBA uh, rookie season. Mm. He was already very good. Yeah, could be. And, you know, this question about an upset, you know, What's the absent? Uh, what does it really I mean? mean? For Spain example, wins against Lithuania. Exactly, it's not Lithuania is the fourth seeded team, but talent-wise, they're yeah. even deeper than Spain. So it's well, I, we can I, mention Germany, Montenegro, could be tricky because of Perry and and Dublevich, but German team is really yeah. quality right now, and at home they should win. The match one way or the other, it might be harder, yeah. It, it might be a close game, but actually, Germany should win. Sasha Dunches told that uh, you know that Montenegro and some other team might just don't really maybe Belgium, he thinks that they might surprise and there are just Belgium, yeah. They're, I know maybe they, he watched any Belgium game and he was impressed with that win against Spain. I don't know, maybe, but but that's that's <laughs> Sasha's come words. on, yeah. Slovenia, Belgium, yeah. Are you excited about that? Not really. I, I mean, every game where Luka Doncic is, is exciting. It's like we have okay. to um, value the opportunity to see him live and to we see do, his but performances. In this particular game for Slovenia, the priority is that Doncic plays like 18 minutes and Dragic yeah. does the same. Like against Hungary. You just take that 30-point po- lead as early as possible and then mm. uh, yeah. That's Slovenia the the fans will Slovenia. be happy to see Luka Rupnik on the court. Yeah. I think they were demanding Luka Rupnik. Yes. Luka Rupnik. Yes, that, that's correct. I just saw some video where Luka was also on that bench. Yeah. And it was JJ Barea, right? And I think that the Mavs fans were asking for Barea. He kind of stood up, but it was a, f- you know, f- fake sub. He, he he wasn't about to go down the court. So, and he just came back. So, Luka was laughing. Fans are also uh, mad, actually, about that. But but anyway, yeah. Uh, the matchup to watch for some personal reasons, completely personal reasons. You mean a matchup between two teams or, or two players? That's a good question. I didn't think about it. Uh, Doesn't matter. Like it can be flexible. It's you, our podcast. We're in Ukraine, like Poland. Conference. We're doing whatever Ukraine, Poland sounds like a random game. They're and random. one of these teams will go to the quarterfinals. Ukraine is playing some good basketball. Mm. Poland really surprised me. I didn't think they, they will take the second seed in, in yeah. Group D. So it's, it's, um, 
it's an unpredictable game. It's probably talking about the level of the game. It's closer to FIBA Champions League than than mm. a Euroleague game or a Euro Cup game. But one of these teams will be in the quarterfinals, and it's a big opportunity for both of those yeah. teams. So uh, and, especially and the for other, Ukraine to put themselves yes. on, on the map, not also just because of uh, other uh, other things that are happening, well, terrible things. But I mean. I mean we don't remember the last competition. I think it was Mike Vatello, Ukraine national team, yes. when they made the when Jerome second Randall stage was cooking. in 2013. Yes, Jerome yeah. Randall was cooking. They were about to host the Eurobasket, I, I remember, yeah. but yeah. then terrible things, as you said, happened. And right now, because Russia is, is attacking Ukraine, the Ukraine basketball team is probably bringing a lot of joy hmm? to people. And Poland, they are our neighbors. So yeah. I'm going to watch that game. But... Uh, I cannot predict who's going to win. Both teams look like equal. Maybe Ukraine have some advantages because of their bigs, and Slimi Hajluk is is a really is great talented He's a great player. playmaker. And Yusuf Sanon is, is actually surprising us yeah. in the tournament. And my t- matchup to watch is Serbia Italy because it's I cannot um, describe it as a real test for Serbia, but at least is so far the toughest test for Serbia. Okay, Italy is not very impressive, but Serbians are coming out of the group, which was, you know, non-competitive for them. And especially, of course, to see Nikola Jokic once again live in, in Eurobasket going to be great because uh, what's what's interesting about Nikola that so far he's uh, really happy uh, in Serbian national team. And from what I understood, uh, the others follow their leader. Um, what Jokic did in Denver, I think it was before his uh, MVP seasons, he started some new routine. After every home game, he was going to weightlifting room to work for an additional hour or something, to work on his body. At first, it was Latko Chanchar who joined him. It was kind of, you know, Balkan thing. But then the other players followed. And after every home game, basically all Nuggets players are going to weightlifting room. The same started to happen here in, in Serbia with other uh, players. Nikola still keeps his uh, routine and other players are also joining him. So that's one of the, uh, let's say, joyful things you can have coached by Svetislav Pesic because he's still very hard with his um, video sessions, with his uh, practices that are still hard, old school, good old grind. So maybe that's that's the thing that exhausts him. But at the same time, other than that, Jokic is is, is very happy. Serbia is, is playing solid basketball. It's it's fun to watch his um, uh, connection with Vasilya Misic. You know, because when mm. you think about it, when Misic was in 2019, he was you know okay. He was coming on that high level, but he still wasn't that MVP Euroleague Finals MVP uh, killer. Now we have NBA uh, MVP Misic at his uh, peak. So it's it's a pleasure to watch them. They didn't play any difficult games. Yeah, the group stage was just too easy for them, and that could be a good thing, but also a bad thing. The good thing mm-hmm. is obviously they save some energy. No one's too tired. No mm-hmm. one's too worn out. The bad thing is when you don't face serious competition, and now all of a sudden you're playing Italy. That is a good team with some talent. Yeah. Um, they don't have big bodies to protect the paint. So for Italy, it's all about shooting, shooting the free. Freeze. And that's the way they they can hurt Serbia. From our I, history, from so our past, we can say that I remember Italians might surprise with these three pointers. Twenty seventeen, Serbia played Italy. The only reason Italy couldn't cope with Serbia was they don't didn't have any big bodies. And uh, 
Kuzmich and Marjanovic, they were just un- unguardable. And now we're talking about Nikola mm-hmm. Jokic. So uh, the interesting thing is that Italy ended up in this situation. They played at home in Milan. Probably most of us predicted them the second seed in their group yeah. behind Greece. Yeah. And boom. Second or third. Yeah, third. And boom, they finished fourth. Like Ukraine mm. really messed up the group yeah. with their good basketball and Croatia managed to squeeze some wins and they're in a good position. They can go to the medal stage actually, Croatia, mm. because of that free throw ball and Bogdanovic missed on purpose. And Italy, they will leave the tournament, they will leave the competition after the eight finals. Mm. I respect Gianmarco Pozzecco, I respect Fontecchio, Melli, and all these talented players. But I don't I don't really see them winning against Serbia. Unless all of a sudden Nico Mannion starts playing. Because so far Nico Mannion has been one of the biggest disappointments of, of this European Championship. Yeah, so the playoffs starts on Saturday with the infamous uh, Turkey and France game. And after the eight finals, we'll do another podcast. But just to finish this one, we've, we thought that it would be uh, fun to let's say, puts up our top five, uh, just five, just lineup of the group stage and the, to include, including players who were not maybe the best because it would be easy. Yanis, yeah, yeah, Luka, yeah. Jokic, and this somebody else. It's not an all-tournament team. This is like yeah. my, own, we, my from, own preferences, players that I really liked watching for And who we actually reasons. saw because it was tough, you know, to work in a group stage in Cologne to watch some I other games. I did see plenty of games, actually. I spent a lot of time mm-hmm. in my hotel Yeah, because during your games. day off, days off, yes. I mean, you could watch some games and we were going to all these yeah, practices. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not working as a, as a reporter yeah. here, so I'm just... So, do, so maybe your five will stuff. be, let's say, broader than mine. Probably, probably. So yeah. You want to start at point guard? I mean, you can actually name all five, I think. We can all be five really players. Quick. Just, and a just couple putting of, some a reasons. Couple of words, why, yeah. right. Okay, so I will go through my lineup. So, like, to make things clear, there's no Luka, there's no Giannis. That's too obvious and too mm. easy. My point guard is Dennis Schroeder. Okay. The reason is there's no other star player in the tournament that ha- that his highs are so high and lows are so low. And his game is like this, up and down, up and down, up and down. But when it's, it comes to crunch time against Lithuania, for example, in the overtime, he scored big buckets. And uh, alongside with Modolo, led Germany to an important uh, victory. So Dennis Schroeder is an exciting player. Um, we all see that every team is going under him. Just let him shoot the free because he's not shooting very well. He's hitting the rim most of the time, but he doesn't lose his confidence. And that's what makes him an exciting player to watch. You could feel that he can explode at any moment. Mm. Like facing Montenegro, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes for 30 or Mm. more and leads his team. But also, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes one from nine shooting freeze. So anything can happen with him. He's so unpredictable. My shooting guard is Tyler Dorsey. Uh, Tyler Dorsey has a good tournament. His numbers dropped a little bit after the last two games, but he started in the first game when he was very hot. Dimitri Situdis even reacted to Basket News oh, yeah. tweeting about Tyler yeah. Dorsey, right? That was so a good one. He's a good, pure shooting guard and a really great fit for this team uh, playing alongside Yanis. Yanis needs shooters around him, and Tyler Dorsey is, is probably the best shooter right now 
looking at the numbers yeah. in, for Greece. I mean, to, to, to give you some rest, I will go with my uh, perimeter players. Yeah. Uh, I, I love how Maris Grigonis is playing in this tournament. Uh, I think that uh, he is kind of Maris Grigonis we saw in his best season with Jalgiris Konas. He's scoring almost 16 points yeah. and he's making 43% of uh, three pointers, almost uh, three threes uh, yeah. per game. And he's so different. I mean, he has huge character, he has huge confidence, and it seems like it translates to some uh, other players. And I really believe that Panthinaikos fans are really happy, you know, watching him play that way because this is the, this is Maris Grigonis we were uh, missing. Hopefully he will have yeah. a few more great games in the playoffs. And of course, uh, I just loved Maudo Lowe because, you know, this mm. team was all about Schroeder, uh, Wagner, uh, I don't know, Thijs, Voitman, Voitman, just just name it. Who's on German national team? But Modo Law was just great. He he he, he just, was cooking. As, he was cooking. As I said, he in, in some games and especially some stretches against France or even Lithuania, he just killed us and you yeah. know killed us based on his skill. And it was just impossible to stop him. And he was just enjoying himself and playing with these guys together. So so yeah, I really loved uh, watching him. I think that his average is like. 11 or 12 points if i'm correct but i mean the impact he makes on the court and especially in big games was was huge so my small forward is krunoslav simon good old kruno good old kruno really his numbers are surpassing his own yes he's the leader of the team impressive. he has the ball in his hands during the most important possessions he plays a lot of pick and roll actions i mean he's playing alongside J jalen smith boyan bogdanovich mario hezonia dario Shar sharich is not in a very good shape but he's still there mm. and despite the fact that these euro league and nba players are around him it's the good old kruno that does the things and against greece he made really crazy floaters the usual shots for him but for other players those shots are probably impossible so a lot of respect you're you're a veteran people see you as an old player but then you're stepping up when the team needs you that's why i have him in my lineup and who's the your other forward let's say yeah i will put lowry markin at the power forward position that's there's not much to be said i've i've been praising markin in our previous podcast and he's just a great player always a joy to watch him on the court yeah i have Derek Tarpe if it's a good pronunciation or just Terry Terpe because since he's he has American roots and Lithuanian roots apparently I mean in it felt like in yeah. every big team has some Lithuanian roots at first it was Mark Cuban uh whose uh, grand no yeah grandmother I think she he said was, grandmother yeah right? she was she was actually from Lithuania Terry Tarpe also uh, had grandfather from Lithuania but from I did a research and it seems like that uh, grandfather was already living in states. So he left during the war, probably uh, in 1926, yeah. something like that. Okay. Uh, and from what I heard, from uh, what I was told, um, they left on a ship. You know, as a lot of uh, immigrants mm, uh, yeah, did, yeah. and you know that's where he lived. Of course, there was some basketball history. But, but you have to respect that the the guy knows his roots. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's coming from a family of, I think, uh, his grandfather had twelve children. Can you imagine twelve wow. children? Children. So he's and one of Terry is one of sixteen. And, and you can talk a bit about his had. basketball because he's exactly. Been yeah, that's the main reason. The revelation of the tournament. Like I've I, I've never known that. Le Mans Sarte basket had such a great basketball player. Amazing 3 and D guy. 
his defensive abilities are of course we're wow. talking about the guy so impressive uh which which team allowed 47 points by Luka Doncic but i mean he's that's not really, on him yeah that's exactly. not on him he he he's a glue guy and he's stepping up in a you know at least in, at some level to replace what Nikola Do you think Nicolas he's Batum. earning a contract here? Uh, I think that teams are calling them on, you know, for His a potential buyout. His agent's phone is probably hot. Yeah, probably <laughs> all the other agents are now hunting him to, yeah, to yeah. get him on, on their list. I mean, he, he's a nice glue guy in that French team and he just got this uh, starting five role. Although, I mean, we're talking about the guy who's 27, 28 and he just had one year FIBA Champions League experience and that that's it. No Euro Cup, no Euro League, nothing. Just the French mm. League. So mm. he's been great. And I had another uh, German guy, Franz Wagner, because of his versatility, the way how nice is, it seems like he's dancing on the court. The mm. way he moves, how how soft his touch is yes. but at the same time that defensively he's making all these blocks and he's just very nice uh, young guy being very polite in the uh, mix zone when Bosnian journalists are asking him about Bosnia about the team he probably never saw before and they're already asking about that team after some win probably against Lithuania you know and he's just so polite trying to be respectful then he's thanking me for saying that you guys are a fun team to watch so he, it's it's he, yeah. he's a very good I love the fact that his guy. brother Moritz is cheering for the team yeah and he's very important actually yes uh, he's taking very important did you role. know that there's a Moritz Wagner mural here in Berlin we should go see that no Yep, that's interesting. Yep. For what reason? I know yeah, he's a great basketball player, but in Germany, in Berlin, monument for Moritz Wagner? Mural. Mural, okay. Ah. Just probably basketball fans just love him. Just All Berlin fans fact. probably love him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And yeah, the last one? I, res center? I respect your, your um, lineup. Okay. Those are great picks. Uh, at center, Jonas Valanciunas. Monster performances so much passion from him i've never seen him so passionate right now he's the captain of the team leading by example he's matured a lot since his first Eurobasket. that was in 2011. i think this is the best Jonas valanciunas we've seen and even though he has problems on defense and other teams are always trying to expose him with their pick and rolls especially if they have good guards that shoot the ball but what he does in the paint under the rim, when he gets the ball, it's going to be a dunk or a foul. His stats from the last three games are crazy. Mm -hmm. 34, 21, 13 rebounds, 14, 8, He's a 15. He's he, a he dished five assists in two games. Yes, yes. That's, yeah. that's one thing that really surprised me. Some really great passes. There was one possession where he got the ball on the three-point line like Andrew Bogut for Australia, yeah. just making a pass like this. Yeah, yeah. So... Jonas Valanciunas, JV, big man. I, I also had him because I, I won't forget for quite some time after this double overtime game against Germany where he scored 34 and had yeah. 14 rebounds, five assists, two blocks. It, the efficiency rating was 45, but if we include uh, uh, fouls he draw, it should be around 57, which is amazing. And I think that he's third best in double-doubles in all Eurobasket history. But anyway, after that game, he was barely walking actually he left the press conference in pain he started yeah. to shout the like, last time i saw times. somebody being so tired was jimmy butler in the nba finals when he had to play a whole game against yeah. the lakers so really and and then he had only one day off and 
we're playing the crucial game against yeah. Bosnia and he's back. Yeah. He's doing all the same things. He was playing against Hungary, but still it was during that game oh, for Hungary, Lithuania. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. he was dominant, 21 yeah, points in, in 18 minutes. So just for the way he sacrifices for this team, yeah. I mean, his leadership skills the skills is just still funny to me. I mean, this this speech where it was like, I know. come on, guys, come on, but he do has something. A, but he has so much respect from, yeah, from yeah. everybody. No, he's... All in for Lithuania. I don't. He never missed the national team competitions. He's a true patriot. From He's a, when he yes. was 15, I think. Yes, he he was, was always shooting up yes. for our national team, he and he's this country. barely walking. He's giving his all on the court. I mean, it deserves a lot of respect, and you know his number is impressive: 18 points, 11 rebounds, two assists, yeah. one block. I mean, we have to leave this. People want us out. Yeah, yeah. I saw that they're <laughs> hurrying us up. So thanks a lot for watching yeah. us. Ritis Vishnauskas, Donatos Rublonas. See you soon. And of course, follow basketnews.com. Uh, please click uh, like, uh, click button, like button on below this video because it really helps us to grow. And of course, subscribe us if you didn't uh, do, that, uh, do it before. So thanks a lot. See you soon. Hey, everyone. Hey, fans. Pogus all here. Courtside 1891 is your home to stream your basket 2022. Visit Courtside 1891 today. Don't miss the action, live or on demand.